0: Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. Please welcome back our good friend, Colby Chaos Covington. How does it feel to finally have that strap, man?
1: Uh, I mean, it's it's what I already knew, you know. It's just they finally put the strap around it to make it official.
0: Now, you were dominant in there, man. You put crazy pressure on RDA, and you never gave him a chance to breathe right from the get-go. I knew you were predicting the finish, but how happy were you uh, with your performance overall?
1: I told you all about my pace, man. I got a different girl every night to work my cardio. Some nights I'm working with two to three girls. So you can really see that RDA was only with one girl. And
0: Tyrone Woodley's a two-pump Trump. He won't last two rounds with me. <laughs> now seriously, man. Like you said, I know leading up to this fight, and you've talked about it time and time again, that nobody's going to be able to... Uh, to, to deal with that cardio and that, and that pressure that you put on guys. But, you know, at the open of every round, you ran across the cage, you took control of the center of the octagon. Obviously, the pace was a big part of the strategy. But uh, what was the game plan going into this one? Uh,
1: the game plan was to, you know, just beat him up, you know, strike, beat him up, take him down, beat him up. I know I'm the most well-rounded fighter on the planet. No one's the the UFC's never seen someone like me. You just you don't know how good I am until you're in there with me. It's a whole different level. So, you know, I knew I was gonna beat him up on my feet. I was gonna take him down and beat him up. But, you know, my takedowns weren't as effective because he was definitely greasing. He was 100% grease. Usually, when I get those body locks behind you, there's no way to slip
0: out. But I could feel him slipping off. You know, he's just another filthy animal, cheater, greaser. Wow, you think you think that he was he was greasing up his body? What what do you think, like in between rounds or before the fight or?
1: No, I think before the fight he was putting like the coconut butter or whatever they do, and then the babe oil or whatever I've heard of. So he definitely was doing it because I shot a couple shots on his legs, and my literally my hands slipped from like up on his top leg to like his ankle, and he just like was able to like slither through on some body locks that I had, and and, it, and it's not sweat. I, I mean, I train every single day. I wrestled my whole life it's i know grips and i know uh positions and i know when your body's extra sweaty and greasy and 100 percent when i was shooting a couple of takedowns i could feel the grease on his back and on his legs
0: now were you surprised that rda shot for his own takedowns toward the ends of the fight or do you think he was just getting desperate there
1: yeah i think I, he was getting desperate i i rocked him with a couple of good shots and i could see his his eyes roll in the back of his head so he went for a quick shot And, uh, you know, it was a good time. You know, he's probably the first guy to ever take me out of the UFC. So, you know, he should put a little feather in his cap because he just let down all of Brazil. And he's definitely a public enemy in Brazil and all the world, man. Everybody wants to see me lose, but it ain't happening, man. I I walk the walk. I I talk the talk, and I walk the walk.
0: You certainly do, my friend. You certainly do. Now, you just mentioned it there. You landed some pretty heavy shots on him throughout the fight. Uh, It it seems to me like you do feel like you did hurt him at at a couple points there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A couple I landed a couple big elbows on the cage too that I could feel like his body kinda go limp and I could really feel the energy start to suck out of him after those those elbows and I and I noticed when I think I got a couple of good ones in the first and second. I could notice when he was coming off the stool in the third, he just didn't have the same energy and you could tell he was kinda defeated. He was putting his head down, like fuck, man, I'm actually I'm not gonna be able to I'm not gonna be able to hang with this dude. So he knew I was on another level and I did exactly what I said I was gonna do to that little soy
0: boy. You certainly did, man. Now you silenced so many doubters with a performance like that. Anybody who thought that you didn't belong in that position, even RDA himself was saying that you didn't have stand a chance, yet the odds on fight day they moved and they and you became the favorite. Uh did you know that you became a slight favorite going into the fight on you know, yesterday night?
1: Yeah, I knew because my only because my buddies they like to troll me a little bit. They were like, Yo, you're a big favor. So we had to put down we were going to put down 50,000, but we only put down like 15,000. So (laughs) they said that probably moved the line. They were like, Oh, we're on Vegas. We just put down 1,000 at plus 110. You instantly move the negative 110. So all my friends were trolling me, and they always like to add extra pressure and tell me about the odds.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's rough. But right. again, <laughs> well, listen, man, with all that considered, you know, do you think that you're finally going to get the credit and the recognition that you deserve? And, and do you think that the rest of the division is now looking at that pressure and that cardio and, and getting worried?
1: Uh, you know, I'm not out to look for the credit I deserve. You know, I'm the world champion. This is the undisputed belt. Woodley's been out for almost a year now, so everybody knows who's at the top of the mountain. And whoever makes it to the top of the mountain, I'm gonna knock them down one by one. Obviously, first up on the Bash guest list is Tyrone Woodley. We're gonna have a little date, hopefully in Madison Square Garden by November. But uh, you know, I'm not worried about what anybody thinks. So you know, I don't get, I've never cared what people thought of me. I don't care what
0: they're saying about me. None of that matters when I go put this belt on. Donald Trump's desk. Yeah, no, no, I know, man. You've you've always uh like you said, walked that line and not given a shit whatever what anybody thinks, but you know, I think that leading into this fight, man, looking at social media, seeing all the doubters, you really did silence so many people. I mean, like you said, Snowflake Armageddon commenced last night, man. <laughs> Yes, it
1: did, man. My last three fights, they've been saying the same shit, you know? Dunk, hum Kim in Asia, number six guy in the world. Oh, you got no chance, Colby. You're not going to beat him. Everybody was talking. And then, and then Snowflake Armageddon, they're all crying. They got the tissues. I go to Brazil. Oh, you have no chance against Damian Maia, title last title contender. You're going to get choked out, blah, blah, blah. I go and completely destroy him. Same thing last night. No one was picking me on the Fox Sports desk. No one was booking me in the media. Everybody was picking RDA. And I did exactly what I said I was doing, so... You know you can keep doubting me, but you know you're
0: gonna you're just gonna keep fucking getting let down and losing your money if you're betting against me. For sure, for sure. And again, man, like like you said, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, and the results speak for themselves. Uh, but you were mentioning uh, Madison Square Garden. You you've been very clear that you want this fight with Woodley uh, for that event. Woodley took to Twitter after the fight. He said that you're a warm-up round for him. He told Dana White to get the fight together as soon as possible. What's your response to that? And has the UFC said anything about uh, making Madison Square Garden a possibility for you?
1: Uh, you know, he's that's fake news, whatever he's saying. You know, everybody knows everything he says. is just looking for attention, trying to get some media draw to him. I mean, when's the last time the guy fought? You probably fought more recently than him. <laughs> That's how sad it is. I mean, the guy doesn't even fight anymore. He just—he's doing his little rap albums. He's doing his little TMZ talking about the Kardashians. He's trying to do his little B-list movie roles. So, you know, the guy has no fight left in him. He—he's been trying to look for that one last money fight to to retire on, and it just so happens that it's going to be me. I'm going to be the one to retire. Yeah,
0: you—you've definitely become the money fight, man. I think—I think, uh, think everybody—we've talked about it at length on the show, you and I, about uh you know the brilliance of what you're doing here with with promotion and marketing and i think people you know might finally start to uh take a page out of your book man but uh at the post fight presser you had a water bottle labeled nerd tears (laughs) are those tears as salty as i imagine they are
1: oh yeah man they're extra salty but they're juicy and they're they're savoring so you know (laughs) it's awesome to uh hear all the nerd tears and and, and have all the people who just I know I'm in a, uh, millions of people's minds right now and they're just fucking pissed off and they're gonna have the worst week of their life so the, the
0: nerd tears are in full effect I love them <laughs> now you mentioned the Fox desk and how nobody was picking you uh the interview with Bisping man he seemed to really go after you uh, John Anik said it was pretty uncalled for I think it shocked a lot of people you know just after a guy wins the title he goes out of his way to to insult you what was all that about
1: Dude, that was a complete joke, that little one-eyed uh, British chump, man. He, he's just acting unprofessional, you know. I mean, the guy did this, you know, he did way worse shit. He was burning Cuban flags. He's doing way worse shit, and he wants to say, oh, you're wearing sunglasses inside? Dude, you used to wear sunglasses inside at all your interviews. The guy's a fake, you know. He's just, he's all salty that his coach Jason Perillo couldn't get the job done against me. And, you know, he knows that I'm the future now, and he, he's a thing of the past, so... You know, what Bisping did was completely unprofessional. He's a little one-night chump. You know, if I got to win on Woodley, we can always do this tag team style. Those little desk bitches can come and see me and my boy Jorge Masvidal. But they don't want that work. It would be like 1776 all
0: over again. Ha <laughs> 1776, man. We actually, uh, Rhode Island, we... we... We everybody says that you know Boston started the, the revolution, but in Rhode Island they they burned the HMS Gatsby way back in the day, and that was really the start of it. It's funny you mentioned that because they just had the Gatsby Day parade yesterday. But um, you know, s- speaking of uh, interviews, last time we talked you had plenty to say about Joe Rogan. Uh, then a few days later you kind of stepped back from those slap comments. I'm wondering, did he reach out to you, or did you just have a change of heart? Me and Joe have always been good friends. Joe Rogan is the man. He's got the best podcast in the world. Okay. Fair enough. I agree with you. I listen to it all the time as well. Um, and in regards to heart, man, you obviously showed a ton of heart in there for the fight, but the embedded series, we got a, we got a glimpse at a a different side of you, you know, enjoying the time with your sister and your father. Clearly you're a family man at heart. Uh, do you plan on showing the fans a bit more of that side going forward?
1: Um, you know, we'll see, you know, they don't really deserve that side because most of the fans, they want to hate on me, so, you know, they want to go over to my sister's DM and say say some nasty stuff that, you know, they'd fuck her and she should be sucking his dick, you know, and talking shit about my dad, so... You know, I, I, I'd like to keep, you know, business away from family. I'm all about family first. I love my family, Team Covington all the way, but I also, you know, want to keep business and, and family separate. You know, I'm on a, I'm on a unique journey right now, and I don't want to bring them in the middle of the heat.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty disgusting that people would even say some shit like that, man. That's awful. And, and like you're saying, you really don't want to expose family to that kind of bullshit. So I'm sorry to hear that people are even stooping to that level.
1: Yeah, it's right, you know, it's just people are emotional and and they're just, they don't know what to do, they know, you know, they can't see me losing, all I do is win and I keep, and they're just frustrated and they're just trying to, you know, they don't know what else to say, so they just think the saying negative things is going to make them feel better about their pathetic nerd lives.
0: Right, right. Well, sticking with the Colby, the supervillain Colby, I gotta say, man, you certainly brought the chaos to Chicago, you said some pretty hilarious stuff during fight week. Uh, but there has has there been any love from the fans in the Windy City?
1: Yeah, dude. The funny thing about the Windy City is, you know, all the Chicago fans are booing me when I come out. The whole arena was loudest. I mean, dude, the loudest you're going to hear in an arena when I came in. They're all booing. Everybody was on their feet. And then by the second or third round, I, they, you know, the first round they're booing, second round they're booing. But by the end of the second round, everybody's training USA, USA. And they all fucking turned, so... You know, it was hilarious to see all these, you know, these little puppets. I'm I'm the puppet master, and uh, these are all my little puppets. So it was funny to see him turn
0: so quick from booing to to cheering for me and saying USA. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, on the walk out there, I was waiting for somebody to throw some shit at you, and I'm glad that nobody did, but I thought for sure that was going to happen. Yeah, I thought this was for sure, too. But, you know, the UFC, they got a great security team. They make sure that uh, that I was uh, completely
1: uh, taken care of, you know, and they watched all ends, you know. So I can't thank the UFC, Dana White, uh, Reed Harris enough for, you know, the the, the five-star treatment, man. They, they, they protected me. Everybody knows I'm a super villain. Everybody wants a piece of me. So the fact that, you know, they put me in a private hotel, I had private, uh, security, private, uh, hotel for me all week to, you know, I gotta give a lot of love to Dana White and Reed Ayers.
0: Now, how long are you sticking around Chicago for?
1: Uh, I'm gonna stick around Chicago till tomorrow.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, by the way, it was very cool to see Game Bread in your corner. Uh, did you guys get a chance to share that moment of all the hard work you guys put in together with that belt backstage?
1: Of course, man. It's crazy how, uh, you know, we started this journey eight years together. The first person I met was uh, Gamebred, you know, Jorge hospital when I went to American Top Team. We've been training partners. We've been through so much stuff together, man. It's, it's unbelievable. We lived together for, uh, you know, we lived together for two years in a, in a shitty apartment, you know, just scraping by, getting it ends meet, you know, just to be able to go to the gym and ride our bicycles to the gym. So, you know, to – to go through that and, and get a world championship, it's everything that we uh, we envision. You know, we've been talking about this for a long time. Me and George had these dreams, you know, we're going to be world champs. And now I'm world champ, he's in the top ten. He, he's got an opportunity to, to make his way up to a world championship title shot. So, you know, it was a special moment for me and George Maslow, man. I really took it in.
0: Good, good. I'm glad to hear it because I know i have speaking both to both of you guys over the years, or this past year rather, uh, knowing how much hard work you put in together and how you both are so loyal to each other, have each other's backs throughout this. So uh, it was it was cool for me to see him in your corner. Um, but speaking of teammates, man, what did you think about the main event? You know, your teammate, all Romero, did he get robbed, in your opinion, and should there be a third fight?
1: Yeah, you know, I thought he got robbed. You know, where's the NA scoring system? I mean, he dropped Whitaker multiple times. You know, he had Whitaker, you know, in danger multiple times, but... You know, I don't know. I don't know what the judges are thinking. You know, that's what sucks about our judging system. You just never know what's going to happen when you leave it in the judges' hands. But what, what, what do you think? Who you thought won?
0: To be honest with you, man, uh, I, for me, it was like it all depended on that 10-8. You know, if they scored a 10-8 yeah. for, for UL, then it would have been, what, a draw? I mean, I think it was it was one of those fights where you could have called it a draw and I wouldn't have complained, to be honest with you.
1: That's what I was calling for too. I was sitting back, uh, sitting next to Megan Olivi. She was like, "Oh, how do you think you scored it? How'd you score?" I was like, "Honestly, I think it's going to be a draw. Like, there's got to be a 10-8 round in there for UL. He dropped him so many times. And but uh, you know, uh, Whitaker had a lot more significant strikes, and the strike counts was on Whitaker's side. So you know, it was a really even, mat- evenly matched fight. And those are definitely the two best middleweights in the world. So I'd love to see him go down again. Both fights were super epic fights. So I'm sure the fans want to see it again too.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now after watching those guys go back and forth for twenty five minutes, if they weren't able to make the uh to make the trilogy fight and uh you know, if Yoel is pressured to move up to two oh five, do you still have intentions of challenging Whitaker?
1: Absolutely, man. I'm definitely looking at that fight. You know, if if that's a big money fight, that's gonna draw. That's that's the fight I'm looking at. You know, his style matches up perfect for me. You know, my he he won't stand with my pace. Trust me, I train with middleweights. I train with light heavyweights. They all say the same thing. My pace is just too much. My cardio, my lungs are just way too much for anybody. So that's definitely a fight that I'm looking at in the near future.
0: All right, listen, man. I greatly appreciate the time. I just have a few more questions here for you uh you know i've got to ask about the john jones beef uh you said some stuff about him this past week he responded called you a disgusting liar uh honestly though are, are you just being the supervillain here or are you just being completely honest about the guy based on what you know
1: fuck john jones he needs to worry about himself i'm over here doing me he's got a lot of growing up to do jason
0: okay fair enough we'll leave it at that man but again you made a made a ton of headlines with that stuff and and then the way he's gone back after you I I, I was surprised that uh, you know you didn't have more to say about it but uh, I figured I'd close out with the Trump stuff man you know you've been very critical of the sports teams that were refusing to go to the White House you referenced Trump this week several times you and gamebred have had the make UFC great again campaign for a while now are you getting a lot of backlash from being a Trump supporter and do you think you'll be able to make that visit to the White House happen with the belt?
1: Uh, Yeah, I get a little bit of flack, but man, let's be honest, man. The Philadelphia Eagles are a joke. I mean, all they're doing is virtue signaling. They're just a bunch of prima donna millionaires looking for a photo op. If they want change and they think change is necessary, get off your damn knee during our national anthem and put your time and money and effort into effectuating some change. These lazy, entitled, silver spoon douchebags. I don't see them in the inner cities. I don't see them spending their time mentoring the troubled youth. I don't see them spending money to build youth centers or educational facilities. I don't see them trying to arrange meetings between community leaders. All I see is them taking two minutes on their million-dollar work per day to disrespect the men and women who risk their lives every day to make our country safe and free. At least at least you're smart enough to do that in the shitty National Football League that nobody cares about anymore because if you tried that garbage at the UFC, I would jump out of the cage and beat some respect in all the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Now, Dana White has said that he can probably make it happen for you. uh have you discussed that with him at all
1: uh yeah we're we're in talks right now, and uh we're gonna get it done for sure
0: now, if you were to go, man, like what would you say? Would you have an agenda at all, or would you just be honored to visit the commander in chief in the Oval Office
1: oh man i would, I would have to throw. You know, I'd have to throw some ideas around and make, make the U.S. great again. You know, that's what it's all about. Me and him are, You know, I'm addicted to winning just like Donald Trump. You know, I'm the great American winning machine. So, you know, I got a lot of things that I might be able to bring to the table and help out. You know, I just might be running for governor someday in Oregon or something. I'm definitely thinking about running for uh, president for Brazilian, in Brazil because I know they need a new pr- president. Their
0: president got impeached. Yeah, there's some crazy shit going down in that government, huh? Yeah, so, you know. Who better to come over there than the,
1: than the biggest name in the game, Kobe Chaos Covington, and definitely the biggest name in Brazil right
0: now. <laughs> like you said, man, a lot of nerd, nerd tears in South America this morning, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, Kobe, again, man, thank you for always coming on the show, giving us the exclusive. I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Nerd Bash 2018 continues, my friend. The sky is the limit for you, brother. Uh, looking forward to this fight with Woodley being announced. Any shout-outs or anything you think we missed? Any sponsor plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
1: Yeah, just big shout-out to my, my agent, Dan Lambert, you know. It was a special moment last night outside the cage, you know. There's not many guys that are homegrown world champions from a gym, you know. I came into American Top Team fresh out of college, didn't know much about martial arts. He took me in like, you know, his son, gave me a place to live. I had a lot of student debt, college debt. He made it so I could just focus on training and being a world champion. To be homegrown from American Top Team is so special, and the, the moment I had with Dan Lambert last night was truly a special night that I'll never forget in my life. So big thank you to him.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I think uh, you see that a lot in the sport. Guys will jump around gyms. There's no real loyalty, uh, and yep. and you have been loyal to Dan and that team for your entire career, man. So I agree with you. Very special moment there. Um, but again, brother, enjoy the fruits of your labor. Uh, Let me know when you're headed over to Hawaii. We'll hook you up, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Greatly appreciate the time, man, and congrats on finally winning that title. Thanks, brother. I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, later. Later.